the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. There will come a day when this life as we know it in this body will simply end. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. Well, today we're going to be in Genesis chapter 48 and 49, and I entitled this message, Our Last Day. You know, most of us, we don't usually wake up every day thinking about the last day of our life, meaning, you know, on a daily basis, we're not just thinking about when we're going to die. In fact, it was Woody Allen that said this quote, I'm not afraid to die I just don't want to be there when it happens. And maybe you feel the same way. Yes, thinking about dying is the last thing that we want to think about. Yet each and every one of us are only one breath away from our last day. But why waste time thinking about that? I mean, we live in a busy time, right? I mean, we have places to go, people to see, things to do, especially now that we're in summertime and we're out of stinking COVID. Can you say stinking from up here? I just did. Well, now we can get out. We can go to the beach. We can plan a vacation now. Yet as much as we might not want to think about death, there will come a day when we will all stand before God himself, when this life as we know it in this body will simply end. But for the Christian, when this life ends in this body, uh, immediately following that, like in a picosecond, which is like one ten thousandth of a second, we will enter into the presence of God. For the true believer, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 8, to be absent from this body is to be at home with the Lord. Yes, once we leave this physical tent that we live in here, this body, this body that has so many limitations, this body that is subject to sickness and disease, this body that is subject to weakness and failure, this body that is subject to death, and decay. This body will immediately be replaced with a spiritual body, a spiritual body that will never ever get sick again, a spiritual body that is not subject to disease, a spiritual body that will never fail or be subject to death again. And most importantly, we will never be subject to sin. We will not have a sin nature anymore that will desire to do things that are displeasing to God. And praise Jesus for that. 
Yes, when this life ends as we know it in this physical life, we as true believers will continue to live a new life in the presence of God. This, of course, is the hope that is given to each one who truly believes in Jesus in the Bible. It's God's promise to those who have been born again, born from above. Some people say, well, I'm a Christian. I'm just not one of those born agains. Well, I hate to break the bad news to you, but if you're not born again, you're not a Christian. The Bible says, Jesus speaking, you must be born again to enter the kingdom of heaven. And to be born again means to receive, physically ask with our own mouth that Jesus Christ would come and live inside of our own heart, that he would actually be our Lord and Savior. Yes, this is our hope. It's a hope of the resurrection once we die. As you know, Jesus, he is the firstborn of the resurrection. He rose from the dead. And because he rose from the dead first, it's a promise to us that we will rise when death comes and takes us. Well, today, as we pick up in the book of Genesis, Jacob, who God renamed as Israel, has come to that very place. He's come to the end of his physical life. He's now getting ready to depart into the life hereafter. And it's time for him to pass the torch on, you could say. It's time for him to pray and to give a last blessing to his family, to have a last time of prayer for each of his children. As we look at his blessing and his prayer, we'll see it's more than just a prayer. It's also a prophetic look at the future of each one of his children. And as we will see, their future will depend on the faithfulness of their past. Like how the blessing is going to unfold on them is going to be dependent on their past. How his children lived their lives will have a direct effect on their future inheritance and how that's going to pan out. Now, each and every one of us, we can obviously glean for this. For how we live today is going to affect our tomorrow. Did you know that? How you live today affects your tomorrow. If we desire great blessings, then we must choose today to do what is upright and what's correct. Doesn't matter what culture is doing. Doesn't matter what society is doing. Doesn't matter what your next door neighbor is doing. Doesn't matter what everybody else is, as people would tell their kids. Well, Joey gets to do it. Well, if Joey's parents said he could go play in the freeway, does that mean you should go play in the freeway? Uh, I don't know. I didn't think about that. But anyway, yes, it's all in how we desire to live. But if we only choose to do what is pleasing in our own eyes or what is pleasing in culture's eyes, we must remember that there will be a judgment that we're all going to face after this. There's two judgments that are going to happen in the world. There's a judgment for the believer, and there's a judgment for the non-believer. Let's look at the judgment for the believer for just a moment. The Bible tells us that every single person who doesn't know Christ as their Savior, that is the people who have rejected Jesus Christ and all of his gift of salvation, and they have bypassed the ability to be forgiven 
by receiving Christ in their heart as their Lord and Savior. They're going to be judged by God. But it's not just the people that are just blatantly anti-Christ. It's many people that say that they do believe in Jesus, but yet by their own works, they deny him. See, Barnapol, the Pew poll, Gallup poll says somewhere between 70 and 80% of Americans believe that they are Christian. And I can guarantee you, I promise you that three quarters of America is not Christian. Okay. And I don't know what the true number is. Is it 10%? Is it 15%? Is it 20%? I don't know, but it's not 75%. And it's like, there's going to be many people that go to Jesus in that day. Well, Hey Lord, didn't we do this in your name? Didn't we do that? And he says, I never knew you depart from me. So this is what's called the great white throne judgment. It's in Revelation chapter 20. It's where everything you've ever done is recorded. And now you have to stand before God and give an account of your life. Now listen, two ways of judgment are going to happen to every person at the great white throne of judgment. First, it's what you actually did. So whether they have videotape or whatever, I'm telling you, if we have video cameras down here, I'm sure God who created the universe has a way of recording everything in heaven. So you will stand before God and it's roll the tape. So it's not only just what you did, but he Also, God has a way of recording what you're thinking while you're doing it. So think about that. It's the motive of what you did. So it's not only the crime that you committed, it's not only the sin that you had, but what you were thinking while you were doing it. Now, everyone is judged under that criteria, which leaves you no room for any kind of excuse. Well, I, I didn't mean it that way. Oh, yes, you did, actually. Because this is what you were thinking while you were doing it. And so you're judged and that person is thrown into what's called the lake of fire. To be in a place called hell forever in torment. Now many people will say, well wait a second, hold on here, red flag here. I thought God was a God of love. God is a God of love. In fact, when he created this place that we know as hell, a place of fiery torment, he says, I made it for only two people, for the devil and the fallen angels that tried a mutiny in heaven way before time began. And those are the people that hell was created for. Now, how do humans get to hell? Humans get to hell when they choose to reject Jesus Christ as their Savior. They reject to live by his standards. Those people then choose to go to this place called hell because they've chosen to reject the free gift of God and his salvation. Then there's going to be another judgment. There's going to be a judgment for the true believer. Now you think, oh, wait a second. I thought we were forgiven of our sins. You are. I thought we were promised heaven. You are, and you will have heaven. So this is a judgment that's not judging you on whether you're going to heaven or hell. No, the true believer will go to heaven. But this judgment is described in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And we will stand before God and we will be judged, not on going to heaven or hell, and not on our sins because our sins have been forgiven. But you're going to be judged on everything you did for the Lord, how you lived your life, how you worked where you worked, how good of a spouse you were to your spouse. How did you raise your children? Did you do what God said? Did you follow his commandments? So imagine now everything that you do is going to be again recorded in two different fashions, what you actually did and then the thought and the motive behind it. 
Okay, so, so you could do something well, like my wife could say, did you take out the trash? Did you pick up after the dog? I'm like, take out the trash. I'm looking at you. Yes, dear. Okay, so there's no reward for that. Why? Because, I, wait, I did the deed. Didn't I take out the trash? Didn't I pick up after the dog? It's like we do everything. So it's like you're going to be judged what you did, but why did you do it? So you could have a lot of good works. I I went down to the Fred Jordan mission and I helped feed the homeless and I did this and I helped an old lady across the street. My my neighbor, you know, I mowed his lawn. Yeah, you mowed his lawn because you're thinking, I'm sick and tired of looking at stinking neighbor's yard is so outgrown. It's like, I'll just go mow it myself. Hi, I'm mowing your lawn for you. <laughs> it's like, yeah, no soup for you. See, so everything is all recorded But why you do it, see, why you do it is as important as what you do. And if your attitude is bad in doing something, there's no reward. So the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3 that everything you do is going to be related to gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, or stubble. So there's six ways that you and what you do, your motives will be recorded. Gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble, he says, and everything will be tested by the fire. Fire refines gold, silver, precious stones. It burns up wood, hay, and stubble. What is going to be left after everything you've done is laid out before the Lord and the fire comes? Now, for some, the Bible says that the fire will burn up everything. All your motives kind of were a little tainted. You didn't just do them as under the Lord. I love seeing things that are done unto the Lord. Well, getting back to our text here today, Jacob will take time now to reflect on what each of his sons has laid as a foundation in their lives based on how they live throughout their lives. That will determine how they will fare when it comes to their father Jacob's blessings. As you remember in chapter 47, the Bible said that Jacob lived in Egypt for 17 years. That's when he came down to live with his lost son that he thought was dead. He lived in the best of the land with his son Joseph, who, again, he thought was dead. Why? Because his older son sold their little brother to slave traders. Then when he got sold, you think, oh man, poor Joseph. And as you know, if you've been here with this study, he got to Egypt and here he is being sold as a slave uh, to a rich man named Potiphar. But yet Potiphar took him into his house and God blessed Joseph. So much so that he ended up taking over this entire rich man's home. He did all of his finances, took care of all of his fields, did everything for him. You could almost say that, wow, God turned this out for the best. Yeah, he was sold as a slave by his brothers because they were dirty dogs. But look how God's blessing him. Now, instead of living out in a tent in the middle of the wilderness, he's living in a lap of luxury in Egypt. He's living in a beautiful home. He's eating great food. He's got beautiful clothes. And right when you think everything's just perfect, you know, Miss Potiphar had the hots for Joseph. Because the Bible says that Joseph was handsome and good looking and he was strong and had a a muscular build. And all of a sudden she's like, hubba hubba, you know, come to mama, you know. And so all of a sudden she didn't hide it much. She says, you come lie with me. 
Now, look, we kind of read in into things here, but, you know, maybe uh, Potiphar had married the young woman here and, and she was, you know, really hot looking and, you know, Potiphar's getting old and she sees this young guy running through the house here all, you know, ripping out of his clothes here with muscles and everything. And, and so she kept after him every day. Well, one day, as you know, he came to work. She sent all the other slaves out. And he's like, where is everybody today? And there's Miss Potiphar. How you doing, young man? Come to me. And she rips his clothes off. Boy, settle down, girl. It's, anyway, and, and so, you know, he's faced with a temptation there. Now, let's not try to read too much into this, but let's look at reality. He was a young, very good-looking, very muscular, full of testosterone young man. And you've got a woman that's like, hey, sleep with me here. I think at that moment that Joseph was like, I'm either going to fall in the rack with this woman or I'm, I need to run out of here because there's no in between here. There's no like, well, let me stop and pray about this. You know, it's like, no. See, what can we learn from Joseph? Run. Don't pray. Don't sit there like, oh, Lord, help me in this temptation. No, get out of there. Stop looking at what he's looking at. Maybe she was naked herself at that point. And so he ran and, of course, she called foul and said that he attacked her, which he didn't, of course, which landed him in prison. And then we don't know exactly how many years in prison, but it appears that he was seven to eight years in prison uh, for this crime that he did not commit. But it was through a series of events that led him to be able to discern a dream that Pharaoh had that no one else could discern. So he was elevated to the second most powerful man in Egypt, as you know. Uh, so Joseph had become that most, second most powerful man on the face of the earth. Jacob, his father, had been surrounded by the lap of luxury. He came down to live with Joseph, who's this powerful man now. He had the best of what Egypt had to offer. Yet this faithful man of God, Jacob, He didn't want anything that this world had. He made Joseph promise him that when he died, he wanted to be buried with his family in the land of Canaan, the land of promise, the land that God had given to his chosen people. He wanted to be buried with his grandfather Abraham and his grandmother Sarah, along with his father Isaac and his mother Rebekah. And now as he's getting close to entering the life hereafter, he calls Joseph to his side to carry out his wishes and his desires. Notice he didn't ask any of his older sons to carry out his last wishes. Gee, I wonder why. For which one of those guys could be trusted? How could you really trust him after the truth finally came out that his older sons are the ones that actually sold his favored son, Joseph, to renegade group of slave traders. Yes, they lost all of their trust with their father, Jacob, for that little shenanigan. I wonder if we're working on building a life of integrity. You might think, well, why living in this culture, anything goes, there's so much corruption, everyone lies. Look what's happened in politics. You know, who cares about living a life that is trustworthy? Well, God cares, and he wants to use us in the example in this world, a life that others can rely on. Know this, who we are and how we carry ourselves today 
it totally matters to this culture. It will make a huge impression on those that we share our faith with. But I wonder how many of us need to really consider how we react to all of the different circumstances that we're faced with here today. Well, with that as a backdrop, as we read together, picking up here in Genesis chapter 48, verse 1. Now, it came about after these things. After what things? This is after it ended in chapter 47 with Jacob asking Joseph, don't you dare bury me here. Promise me. Give me your word. You're not going to bury me here in Egypt. And he says that Joseph was told, behold, your father is sick. So he took, this is Joseph, took his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim with him. And when it was told to Jacob, behold, your son Joseph has come to you, Israel, named Jacob, collected his strength and he sat up in his bed. Verse 3, then Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and he blessed me. And he said to me, behold, I will make you faithful or fruitful and numerous and I will make you a company of peoples and will give you this land to your descendants after you for an everlasting possession. Now your two sons who were born to you in the land of Egypt before I came to you in Egypt they are mine. What he was saying was, they're going to be part of the promise that God has made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, me. And so they're mine, meaning they're part of the promise here. Ephraim and Manasseh shall be mine as Reuben and Simeon are. So let's stop there for just a moment. Now again, it's Joseph who comes to the bedside of his ailing father. For Jacob loved his son Joseph, and now he sits up in his bed, and he recounts how God had appeared to him. I love how God speaks his vision into those he moves through. I mean, he spoke the same promise to Abraham. You are going to be the bearers of this property, this thing that we know now as Israel, the land of Canaan. He spoke it again to Abraham's son, Isaac. And now he has spoken it again to Jacob, that this land is yours. God was giving this land to the people of Abraham. And Abraham is the one that God instituted and created the Jewish people, the Hebrews. So this is going to be their land given to them by God. Yes, we see this everlasting possession. Now, they're still fighting, as you know, for that land today. Israel is still being fought for. Hamas and the Palestinians are trying to take the land that God had given to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who was renamed Israel. They will never be able to have it. It's never going to happen as long as God stands on the behalf of his people. And even though Israel as a whole, not all, but most have rejected the Messiah, Jesus, yet the surrounding neighbors of Israel will never, ever win. Because God said to Abraham in Genesis 12, 3, those who bless you will be blessed and those who curse you will be cursed. Listen, if there's nothing else that would lead you to believe that the Bible is true, look at the history of the Jewish people. Every single nation 
that has come against Israel has been completely destroyed because the promise against God's people is if you bless these people, you will be blessed. If you curse them, you'll be cursed. And again, if you look at every nation, From Egypt to Rome, there was five superpowers that ruled the world. Every one of those superpowers came against God's people. Where are they? Gone. Gone. Every nation that comes up against Israel does not stand. And it's just because it's a spiritual law. So even though they haven't received and embraced the Messiah as Savior yet, yet I say, because they will. There will be a massive reawakening of the people of God. When will that happen? Soon. The Bible says when the fullness of the Gentiles, us non-Jews, come in, the rapture of the church will happen and we will be completely removed from the earth. Some people say, are you listening to fairy tales? No. This is exactly what the Bible says will happen. You and me, as true believers, we will be removed in what's called the rapture of the church. When that happens, the day that that happens, there will be a reawakening to the nation of Israel. The Bible tells us that 12,000 from each of the 12 original tribes of Israel, the very ones that we're looking at here today, there will be 12,000 from each of those 12 tribes, 144,000 that will become born again and they will evangelize the entire world as we know it. So that awakening is going to happen soon. As soon as the fullness of the Gentiles come in, that will happen. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Core Truth is sponsored by and is a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you've been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA, all one word, to 77977. You can also give via our app and online at corechurchla.org. Or you can mail your support to P.O. Box 34. 789 Los Angeles, California 90034 Three-star general Michael J. Flynn head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency knew all the government's dirty secrets He was one of the most respected generals in the military Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to He understood its funding He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors This set off alarm bells The explosive new documentary Flynn Deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.